You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I suppose that was what attracted me to the bicycle right from the start. It's not so much a way of getting somewhere as it is a setting for randomness. It makes every journey an unorganised tour. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck. And you're listening to the Arabug Radio Show here on Radical Radio 3CR. Streaming it, podcasting it, or listening on the transistor in the kitchen. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. I see uh, Democracy Now is up for their 25th anniversary, I think just before Christmas. Great show that keeps going for a long, long time. Now, you're listening to the Arabug Radio Show, as I said, and I'm joined, thankfully, again by Faith. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. And we're joined in the, well, it's not a peloton, but it's pretty close to it. Uh, Jeremy Lawrence from Streets Live. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Val. And it's great to be back on the Yarrabug Radio Show. Ah, that's a wonderful one to hear. So we're going to have a big show where we'll talk about uh, what's happening in Yarra. That little quote from the uh, top of the show was uh, from Daniel Burr and the man who loved bicycles. Not a bad idea, randomness like it, throw a coin, toss a dice. I've got to say, I had one of the most uh, interesting bicycle moments yesterday. I am not too sure, it must have been a first time, whether I've ever had um, bicycle rage directed at me from another cyclist, completely over the top. Interesting, I've just crossed the road. Alongside Hoddle Street, so you're riding on the footpath. I've only got a little bit to go. Jeremy, I ride a little bit bolt upright, as they say, it a little bit slowly as I puddle along. And I got overtaken by a cyclist. And actually, the funny part about it, he said two or three um, tennis rackets strapped across his back. I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. But the most tirade of expletives for me taking up more of the footpath and going too slowly as he sped past me. I thought, God, that's the first time that has ever happened to me. Anyway, I can't work out how cyclists get so angry. That's for discussion for another time, I suppose. But it was a, it was a really sort of, uh, it, it really sort of jumped me out of the blue a little bit. It's quite funny. 
It's interesting it's the first time, Val, because it's one of the most common experiences reported by women on bikes. And whenever there's a survey about what makes you feel unsafe or um, yes. what are the problems you face if you want to ride to work, you know, that comes up as often as yep. the vehicles. So it's, what yeah. was the lovely woman, the lovely woman who wrote an opinion piece saying she didn't realise until she got to Melbourne what a, what a pejorative term lady was. <laughs> lady, you're riding your bike wrong. It was, uh, well, Faith, I hadn't thought of that. I should, uh, I need to take the blinkers off a little bit more, I think. <laughs> Uh, you got something to share with us, Faith? Of course. I, I do. I, uh, I was riding home last last Wednesday, was it, or the week? Be- not the Wednesday, just gone. The one before, when we had that torrential uh, rain, yes. and I, I happened to be riding up Sydney Road, and <laughs> Sydney Road just turned into a river, and uh, water above my ankles. And uh, crossing Albert and Victoria Streets, which were themselves also really deep, the, uh, the wash, the pavement was completely covered in water. You couldn't see it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it ended up, I got off and sort of walked a lot of the way because it was getting pretty scary. The wash from the cars if, if, when they came past, yeah. it, was, it was pretty... Uh, Pretty insane. I know it floods around Brunswick quite a bit, but um, I think that was the most extreme that I've seen, particularly caught on a bike. It was very, very wet. Very exciting for a ride home. It reminded you of being a child with your little gumboots on and jumping in puddles, I presume. Uh, it, was a, no. it was a little bit more intense than that. <laughs> I've never seen so much moving water coming down the Sydney Road Hill towards. Oh, yes. Jeremy, you've got a, something a little bit to share with us. Oh, yes. Look, I'm really pleased that um, what I can tell on social media is that community support for beautiful streetscapes seems to be improving. Like biking isn't just about bike lanes. It's about all the local streets that provide access to all of the properties. And one way is that streets can be made more beautiful and welcoming to people biking is to have a lot more street trees. Not only do they look good, but provide the shade. And just recently, uh, someone had posted a, a tree planting map for Neptune Street in the city of Yarra. And instead of just the usual, oh no, that's taking away car parking arguments, there were uh, quite a lot, more than half, I thought, of yeah. tree supporters. So that was really pleasing. That's my bike moment. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and they're very important for encouraging active transport whether it's walking or riding um they're in effect the, the air conditioning for people and who are getting around under their own steam they're also and like the bollards calming the traffic yeah. speeds yes and, and forest bathing the, tree uh, bathing yes the, uh, um everyone there's a lot of work now into the the benefits and the effects greenery has on people Mm. but we have had a few instances in moreland recently of people wanting to remove trees we we had a street people council wanted to plant trees down the center of the street um and the local residents organized very well to uh 
argue that they shouldn't. And um, I think some other residents once suggested instead of having a bike lane that took some road space, they should just chop down all the trees and use that space for the bike lane. And these were, yeah. I mean, I think if nothing else, at the most base level, trees add quite a bit of value to your home, street trees. So it's, um, mm. it's interesting. And, um, and you, you can see it in Jeremy, we can see it, you can see it in Yarra so much. I mean, I can ride through some streets, wide streets in uh, Abbotsford that are quite wide and have beautiful, healthy plane trees or whatever in them. And the next adjacent street is one of the ones that's tiny lane, no footpath. And you, the ambient temperature for one to the other, let alone the, um, you know, they're not, they're ugly for a start, which discourages you from riding them as we all discover. The difference is in 100 metres is enormous, you know, just by planting those more trees and giving the place a bit more shade. Brunswick Residence Network did a walking survey earlier this year, a very comprehensive one, and, and street trees were a big uh, theme that came up. And also um, the effect of having prettier routes for people to use if they were going to walk, that was a factor in some sort of unconscious decision about whether or not to walk. Yeah, not just making a, a safe street environment for people walking or cycling, but a welcoming and attractive and enjoyable street yeah. environment. Yeah. So we're going to take a little bit of a quick break, but we're going to be back and we're going to be looking at this in a little bit more depth with Jeremy. 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Backrose Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show on 3CR with Val and Faith. Our guest today in the studio is Jeremy Lawrence from Streets Alive. We thought since it was nearing the end of the year uh, and there's been a lot going on in different ways, we'd have a look at... Um, some of the ups and downs in active transport and active safe streets in Yarra. And maybe you could kick us off, Jeremy, with your uh, your most significant moments. Oh, look, I'm a happy, optimistic person, so I think I've got a lot more good news than bad news to share. A great year for streets and walking and biking and trees and placemaking in the city of Yarra. A few highlights. The Department of Transport built the Heidelberg Road bike lanes and then stood up to the political pressure and they're being kept. That's yeah. wonderful. And they the are really, um, really make a huge difference in terms of making, I think a lot of places along that route more accessible to more people, people who wouldn't brave that narrow footpath or the road previously. Oh, yeah. And we've seen more people and more types of people and more a wider age range of people using the lanes. And not only using the lanes, but the, the DOT and the state government are building additional branches and connections to the main trunk route 
to make access for the surrounding areas a lot easier. Yeah, no. The state government has, all, has then flowed on and built advisory bike lanes, quite wide, beautiful, attractive, welcoming bike lanes on Napier Street, quite a, a popular north-south street. And that works really well because Napier Street has got uh, modal filters at a couple of points along that. Yep. So the traffic is really quite calm. And that's, you know, the, one of the best uh, enjoyable Dutch-style experiences for cycling along Napier Street now. It's really quite wonderful. The more people who get to experience that, the more people will be asking for it in their neighbouring neighbourhood or street. Yeah. And, and the state have... government's really, 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 you know, you have to give them some some thumbs up for the progressive steps they're doing, even though we're not as good as the Netherlands right now, that they're taking steps to bring everything forward to change the culture. They firmed up the map of strategic cycling corridors, which is a collaborative work with local government councils. And that provides a lot more certainty for planning. So people who live on those streets know and can predict and see that changes is going to be coming, it prepares the way. And of course, the state government has lifted their target for mode share for active transport, lifting it to 25% by 2030. And this might be still small compared to 30 or 40 or 50% in some of the, the world's best countries, but it's definitely a step forward. And this is all part of changing mindsets on a population basis not amongst the converted but amongst everyone yeah so i think it's great news i think one of the i'm going to call it a, a you know indicator species if i may is um, the addition of uh, electricity to cargo bikes in just my area i've noticed i would think a 200 percent increasing mums or dads dropping kids off in um, go to uh, you know, electric bicycles. There's just once it feels safe for the for mum and kids, everybody else starts to feel a little bit safer. And those numbers are going up all the time. I see. I think you're right, Val. I see that around my part of City of Yarra as well, quite often now. And it's getting to that critical mass. These cargo bikes are quite big and colourful, well, noticeable, and they're so happy because they've got kids in them or luggage or shopping, and that just brings out a positive emotional response in people who are watching and then they compare they say look gee i could do that too i've had look and i've had uh, sometimes um um sometimes if somebody is a little bit um elderly and i get into a conversation about riding bikes and you know oh i know how to ride a bike they would not have been asking me about this um three or four years ago but watching people on the other are little electric bikes, and I'm saying, well, if you want to do it, that's a good opportunity to do it. And two or three of them have taken it up, and it's really been quite interesting. I don't think they would have got on one of those bikes unless they felt there was a sense of security and safety about it. Yeah, it's hard to say how many yeah. people make decisions about rationalism. Or logic or facts? Do they really prepare a little comparison table? Or, I think you. Or do most people just say, "Look, I see other people doing that." Yes. And gee, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And that is the important thing, and and that visual of seeing more and more, um, people from a wider section of the community seeing them out on a bike in the in a local street, and that's, I think, um. We can't underestimate how much that works to make people see it as something that's possible for them. 
and and working out what's possible it's part of imagination and that's part of your whole um worldview or your whole um philosophy or your sense of happiness or your perspective of how you see other people trying out new things and one of the most visible changes that people perhaps have some liberally reacted to is the reallocation of space that councillors supported on our streets with COVID and now the introduction of parklets we've seen whole chunks of space being reused and, and bringing happiness to the streets so people sitting outside for the cafes eating and drinking i think it's imbued a, a different vibe a different personality in the whole city and perhaps people are reacting to that and it's flowing over to how they decide to get around and i think there's a bit of um with the obviously the lower traffic volumes that when people are not prepared to give that public space back actually we can see that we can take car parks away we can narrow streets and it really it doesn't have a detrimental effect to the people it, it actually has a really huge positive effect oh there's a whole there's a whole um you know idea yeah. of step change let's do a few incremental things let's not make people too grumpy but people yeah. can notice the difference and they go look that was actually quite good i, I want some me i want some more of that we've seen Another step change on Rose Street, the artist market where they painted oh, yeah, the street. Yeah. They've got a artwork there, traffic calming, 10 kilometres per hour speed limit. And now people walk down and it's got a whole new vibe. And they thought, wow, I didn't know this was possible in Melbourne. This reminds me of those little villages I used to visit in Italy or France. <laughs> and then if we can bring that feeling, that positivity to a lot more places across the city, that's the that's the new good, good news story for the next few years. We uh, we were really pleased with the election in 2020, where all nine of the candidates who were ultimately successful had taken a proactive transport policy platform to the electorate. So yeah. they're all supportive of walking and cycling and trees and better streetscapes, and they turned out to be the councillors who were elected. And of course, they had a a variety of policy statements, either a quite formally written policy statements on active transport from some councillors and others who just said in general I'm, I'm a supporter but i'll always listen to the community to feedback but all of that is is positive stuff it's a it's a huge step forward from 10 years ago mm. Mm. yeah it's um it's interesting i think that was observable in the moorland election too that um candidates know from their responses to a I think the Moreland Bug surveys that they they need to be um, supportive of active transport. Um, yeah, whether or not they. Well, it's now the position of the sensible centre. You yeah. can't really yeah. win a, a cohort of votes in a inner city. Yeah. Can yeah. council yeah. election if you're if you're anti bikes or anti walking or anti trees. And so, Jeremy, what do you think of the the big issues for Yarra to tackle as we look? towards uh, 2022? I'd like to see a lot more infrastructure every year. And by that, I don't just mean bike paths. I also mean wider, smoother footpaths, more trees and placemaking and street space reallocation and traffic calming, pinch points, curb outstands. And all of this takes money. You need money for the actual infrastructure and you need money for the council officer staff to plan it. And what we've seen, of course, over the last year and a half, our council's budgets being hammered by COVID. So the city of Yarra has lost about 50 million overall. Loss of parking income or loss of 
rates or, or fees for footpath trading and parklets have been for free and they'll stay free until uh, the second half of this year. So the important thing is to, to recover the whole economy from COVID and then infrastructure budgets to build back up. And I know councils for the bigger projects, particularly if you're talking about built protected bike lanes and that, they do depend on different streams of funding from the state government because they, these are bigger ticket items for a council budget. The Victorian government's infrastructure plan was released a week or two ago. And I noticed in the transport budget, half a percent was allocated to active transport and buses. So um, it doesn't look like there's going to be that significant pull to support local councils building this infrastructure. Yeah, so look, I read the Victorian infrastructure plan and noted the very small uh, budget allocations for active transport. To me, I, I put an optimistic spin on it. I, I don't really think the state government is budget constrained in terms of their investments. I think they're politics constrained. I think they've decided to take a few steps forward here and there and test the waters to see if really that environment in the electorate is different from three years ago. And we've seen with the Heidelberg Road bike lanes and the Napier Street advisory lanes in Yarra at least, that they have been positively received with little political pushback. And I think that will give the state government the confidence to year on year increase their budget allocation to try a few more projects. Because the New South Wales government certainly is feeling a bit more confident. They've allocated quite a substantial sum. Oh, yes. Look, yep. we can do better. And I think uh, it's really great to have two big states, Victoria and New South Wales, that are so comparable. And of course, if you look even objectively with the design guides and the budget allocation. So the walking space design guide from New South Wales or the cycling design toolbox from New South Wales are both way above what Victoria has published. Victoria has actually drafted with the support of external consultants, um, new design guidelines, but they've kept them on ice internally for over a year. In terms of budget availability and what can we do and see real change in our local streets, of course, I, that's a different issue to the arterials where I really think state government funding support needs to be brought in for the strategic cycling corridor network. But the other half of the puzzle are all our local streets. And that's where we need the budget from councils. And they don't necessarily have the permission to just define 30 kilometre per hour zones for that they need state government support. Mm. But what they can do is invest in the infrastructure for traffic calming. They can build curb out stands or narrow the lanes or plant more trees or put in single direction pinch points or reallocate space to pocket parks or put in modal filters. And all of this does take money that isn't there. And the enormous opportunity, of course, is to source the money from the very streets that council are seeking to improve. And that's through the proper pricing of on-street parking. If you look at the inner city suburbs of Melbourne, you know, of course, the CBD, Melbourne, and the surrounding councils, they're all within 5Ks of the CBD. Mm. Land value is very high, and people's willingness to pay for on-street parking is measurably high. And, for example, the city of Yarra could quite easily raise between $10 and $50 million per year simply by reforming how it prices on-street parking for visitors, and that would be 
getting income from visitors, not necessarily from residents who would still benefit from their very low cost residential parking permits. So just imagine if one of the M9 councils or all of the M9 councils got together politically to agree on some baby steps and they all raised 5 million one year, then they all raised 10 million the next year. And that just flowed through to trees and footpaths and pedestrian crossings and wombat crossings. Mm -hmm. That would lead to a, a positive trend of, of reinforcement, positive reinforcement, and people would really benefit from it. It's been one of the great uncosted externalities of cars is, yes, you're talking about when they're moving, but they're doing just as much damage as they're sitting still on the side of the road and it's public land and you're parking a piece of private property there. It's a bit, um, It's always been something that has been completely unlooked at and unfunded in a lot of ways here. Um, it goes okay. together with that, owning the house and then owning the place out the front as well. Yeah, and, and humans, you know, people are human, they're ultimately very adaptable, and we've seen that in many cities around the world. If you look at the number of car parks that are being removed from the central areas of Oslo or Amsterdam or Copenhagen, or even Madrid now, they've got a huge new bike lane plan. Sorry, not Madrid, Milan. All this takes space. And, and people, if you give them enough time to adapt, find that they really quite enjoy the new opportunities. Their kids can ride to school. They don't have to drop them off. They can get to the shops by a short walk, and they feel happier and healthier. And the other thing is, and I mean, I know you touched on a lot of it, is it makes for wider footpaths. All our footpaths are so narrow in some parts of Melbourne. I mean, they're really not even footpaths. Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of social justice and equity for people who need to roll on a wheelchair or just need to walk a little bit slower with a walking guide. And that's why I really like the New South Wales Walking Space Guidelines, which talks about footpaths even on the quietest residential streets that are two metres wide. And you're right, there are a lot of narrow streets and footpaths in Melbourne. And so there are two basic options that council have in front of them. Either they can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars of widening the footpath and perhaps getting rid of car parking, or they can level the street and allow cars to park right up against the property boundary, but bring in 10 kilometre per hour zones, nice paving and let people yep. walk down the middle of the street. And you can only really do that if you bring in proper traffic calming, like a low traffic neighbourhood type approach. I think um, what I can't remember the main street in Yarraville there with the theatre said, I think that's only in the last six months been completely closed off to traffic and they've just raised the level and just pedestrianised the whole area. And everybody just loves it. Nobody's worried about car parking. Everybody's quite happy for the cars not to be going down the street. So that's that's one of the, uh, the good news story for next year is we hope that uh, the city of Yarra will release a livable local streets framework and a transport action plan that will complement their existing road safety study policy and their already announced placemaking framework, which is really for the major streets. And if you look at that family of policy documents, they could really offer an enormously progressive, positive outlook for the city of Yarra to carry us forward for the next five to 10 years or up to 2030. We can always we can always do better, and I, you know I started off saying I'm an optimistic person. I like to present all the good news. 
even said, having said that, it would be even better if the state government delivered some firmer commitments to level access tram stops across yes. the inner city mm. so that people can get around without being forced to choose a car. That's a bit of social justice. And the state government could give permission for parklets on our shopping streets, such as Swan Street, Bridge Road or Victoria Street. They can choose to take away the clearways, allow parklets and to revitalise the streets that are the core of our 20-minute neighbourhoods and that are sadly suffering from some high vacancy rates. That one decision, clearways and parklets, can change the whole street and I urge the state government to look at that. I'd certainly like to see safer ways to get to shopping strips. It seems to be, I guess, my frustration with a lot of the projects the state government does is the emphasis is on commuting. But I think the, the benefit for communities is when a family can choose to go and shop on Brunswick Street or Swan Street or Bridge Road using the bikes that they often already use to get to primary schools and things. And that having those safer bike routes on those shopping strips isn't seen in the context of allow bringing shoppers to local traders. Everybody loves a, a thriving, vital, you know, beautiful, buzzing shopping street. They're the core of our neighbourhoods. And I think it's, a, it's just sad that we give so much priority to high-speed moving traffic for just a couple of hours per day. Great to talk to you, Jeremy, and Streets Alive, Yara. And coming up is Sheepop. Well, we know where we're going, but we don't know where we've been. And we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.